All right, so we are continuing a series called That's a Great Question. Every week we take either a cultural issue or a biblical topic and we uh, come at it from a biblical perspective to help you, if you're a Christian, step into conversations with people in your relational world and share what you believe uh, to be true from God's perspective. Uh, Today the question is, what's the value of being single? Uh, This message will certainly have direct implications for those of you that are unmarried, but this is for the whole congregation. This is not just a message for singles because those of us who are married, those of us that have families, children, uh, we don't always know how to value, appreciate, and treat the unmarried among us. And so I hope that the, the message that I share with you today will give you some insight, some direction, and maybe challenge you a little bit, maybe convict you a little bit. Uh, related to how you perceive those among us that are not married. Let's pray. Jesus, help us to, to have your heart and your, your mind uh, concerning uh, those among us who are unmarried. Uh, th- that, Lord, we might have a greater sense of unity and oneness with them. Uh, Lord, I just pray that, that those that are unmarried, you would bring great encouragement to them today, great strength, uh, that they would feel your grace and your presence in a, in a profound way. Uh, today. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, it is, it, it's an, an incredible challenge today to be a Christian and single. In the church, we tend to emphasize getting married and having kids, almost like that was God's only plan for people, right? Um, you would think that 90% of people in the church are married by the amount of emphasis that we place on it, the, the way we address it. Yet 46.4% of all adult uh, Americans uh, are unmarried. And by that, that statistic means could be widowed, uh, could be divorced, or could never have been married. The the Bible has an interesting perspective on singleness and being unmarried, which we, we want to address today. Jesus, the Apostle Paul, John the Baptist, Nehemiah, Jeremiah, Mary Magdalene, Lydia, Miriam, the sister of Moses, Mary, and Martha, all single. Beyond that, there are are tons of leaders in scripture, leaders in the Bible, whose spouse is never mentioned. And and the implication is that they probably aren't married. Daniel, Elisha, Elijah, Timothy, Silas, Luke, the list goes on and on of people who are leaders in the church, no mention of a spouse, and it, it really seems like they're out ministering on their own. So scripture has a lot to say about it. And, and I wanna start this morning by saying, if God wanted to teach us that marriage was the only way to a meaningful and significant life, Jesus would have gotten married. He didn't. Jesus would have gotten married if that was young. So what do we see instead? Instead, we see Jesus Christ, the son of God, living the most significant and meaningful life any person has ever lived on the earth as a single person. And yet, you know what we do? We, we treat the singles among us at times like they're the junior varsity. L- let me share this morning. Jesus ain't never played on a junior varsity team. Paul? Never junior varsity. Daniel, not junior varsity. These are varsity starters, friends. People that left great examples 
to us of what a, a, a life surrendered to God looks like. This week, I, I asked a number of uh, singles in our church, Christians that are dealing with this challenge and asked them, what is it that you're facing as a single person? Here are their answers. One person said, I wonder if being single is God's plan B for life. Am I second rate? Someone else said it's loneliness. I don't have one person who is all in all the time for me. That was a 23-year-old person that's never been married. But that's even more true for those who are widowed later in life. I, I, don't, I don't have anyone like my mom who for 60 some years was, was married to my dad and had dad there all, all day, all the time. And now he's gone. And so she, she doesn't have anyone that's all in for her all the time. So loneliness is a challenge. Someone said, I'm, I'm afraid no one will take care of me if something happens. Someone said, it's hard to find strong Christians to date. I don't wanna settle for anyone that's not a strong Christian. Someone said, can I be content with God alone? How do I fill the, the emotional hole in my heart? Someone said, I feel unappreciated by the church and pushed to find a spouse. Shame on us. Someone said, several people actually, I, I desire sexual intimacy, but I have to say no. It's hard to date in a godly way today without the consideration of having sex. Several said, I, I desire to be a parent and to raise a family. Just some of the challenges. If you're married, do you ever think about those things in the life of a person that's not married? What they're going through, what, what the challenges are in their life? Maybe it's been so long since you were there, you've completely forgotten what it's like to be in that situation. All of us, every one of us have a single, a season of singleness. For some of us, it's short. For others of us, it's longer. And for some, it's permanent. And, and Paul says that, that some, uh, for some, singleness is a calling. It's actually a gift given by God. Here's what he says in 1 Corinthians chapter 7. Paul, the apostle who wrote over half of the New Testament, one of the greatest Christian leaders ever, said, I wish that all men and women were even as I myself am. Well, what's he talking about? his singleness. I wish that you were like me. Do you recognize the incredible value the apostle Paul places on being single, being unmarried? Not, not to diminish the value of being married, not to diminish the value of having a family, but Paul elevates the role of singleness in life. However, each one has his own gift from God, one in this way and another in that. It doesn't matter how long your season of singleness is, there's always grace. God's grace is there for you today if you're unmarried. Some of us, I got married at 20 years old. Some of us had a short season of singleness and that singleness was on the front end of our life. And others of you are struggling with singleness at the back end of your life, either because a spouse died or you were divorced, maybe against your will. And suddenly you find yourself in that situation. And again, I wanna say, there is grace for you today. There, there's, there's grace for every step of the journey, no matter where the Lord leads us, amen? There's always his, his undeserved, empowering love and grace in our lives. 
And so there's, there's two ways to look at the value of Christian singleness. I want to look at both of those two. The first is the theological value of Christian singleness, the theological value. And I want to start by saying that singles teach us that, that the church is our true family. Singles teach us that the church is our true family. Listen to what Jesus said. Then Jesus' mother and his brothers, biological, came to see him. He was out ministering. They stood outside and sent word for him to come and talk to them. There was a crowd sitting around Jesus and someone said, your mother and your brothers, biological, are outside asking for you. Jesus replied, who is my mother? And who are my brothers and sisters? Then he looked at those around him, his disciples, and said, look, these are my mother and my brothers and my sisters. Jesus is implying that his spiritual family had a higher priority than his biological family. Who, who, who is my real family? In another gospel, it says, those who do the will of God, th those are my, my mother and my, and my brothers and my, my sisters. And for many singles, that's ex exactly the case. The church is their family. The church has become their, their spiritual family. Singles reveal to us the, the importance of the family of God. You know, in other cultures, in, in other countries, when people become Christians, whether it's a Muslim country or a Hindu culture, whatever it is, oftentimes if a, if a person, a son or a daughter becomes a Christian, they are immediately cut off from their family. They are excommunicated from their family. I got word this week that, that we, we are partners with the Timothy Initiative in Ethiopia, a church planting ministry. And, and there are guys that are being raised to plant churches and they're going into remote villages and places and they're, they're preaching the gospel and winning people to Christ and then planting churches. And this one young man got saved as a result of the Timothy Initiative. And he wanted to, be, to become a church planter. So he's going through the training and he's out preaching the gospel, winning people to Christ. And he goes home and his dad beats him one inch from death. He says, if you want to be a part of this family, you have to renounce Christ. So what is the church to this young man? That's his family. And oftentimes the, the church for singles, for the unmarried among us, that's family. So, so can I ask those of you that are married, do the single people among us, the unmarried people among us, do you treat them like their family? Are you inclusive with them? Do you see them as, as equals and brothers and sisters in Christ? See, one of the theological values of singles is that they, they remind us that we are, we, are all the body, we are all the body of Christ, the body of Jesus Christ. The church family is important. The second thing that singles teach us theologically is that they teach us that there's no marriage, no human marriage in heaven. Listen again to what Jesus said. Jesus replied, your mistake is that you don't know the scriptures and you don't know the power of God. For when the dead rise, they will neither marry nor be given in marriage. In this respect, they will be like the angels in heaven. Marriage is temporary. Marriage in this life has a human and earthly benefit, but not an eternal benefit. When we get to heaven, there's not going to be marriage. 
And singles remind us, the singles among us, they remind us that they are, they are solely devoted. They have one husband, it's Christ. And when we get to heaven, our hearts are not going to be divided. It's not like we have to take care of a wife or a husband or kids and, and, and that takes our time. And then if we have time, we give it to Jesus. When we get to heaven, we are all only going to be married to him. Amen. Man, an undivided heart of love and worship toward Christ who saved us. And we are, we are all equal brothers and sisters in Christ. And singles remind us, they, they bring us back to that theological truth that, that yes, we may have a marriage here on earth, but we're married to Christ. We're the bride of Christ. And when we get to heaven, that's going to be more real than ever before. And singles help to, to point that truth out to us. So there's theological value to Christian singleness, but there's also practical value. There's just some practical values to being unmarried that, that scripture talks about. And, and the first is an increased focus on Jesus. Increased focus on Jesus. Listen to what Paul says in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 7. He says, I want you to be free from the concerns of this life. An unmarried man can spend his time doing the Lord's work and thinking how to please him. But a married man has to think about his earthly responsibilities and how to please his wife. His interests are divided. In the same way, a woman who is no longer married or has never been married can be devoted to the Lord and holy in body and in spirit. But a married woman has to think about her earthly responsibilities and how to please her husband. So I'm an empty nester now. I don't have young kids in the home. I don't have that busyness. But thinking back to that time, I just remember the incredible spiritual distraction that I felt all the time. Because I had, I had responsibilities, duties to care for my wife, to nurture a marriage. I had responsibility. I still nurture that marriage. It didn't end, didn't end. But, um, and I had kids that were, that were active and, and growing and busy and they had activities. And I felt like my, my loyalties were divided. Like I loved God and I, and I really wanted to devote myself to him more fully, but I also had human responsibilities. And so there's this divided heart, these, these divided loyalties. And even if I wanted to just give all of my time to God, I couldn't because I had these duties, these responsibilities, and, and they're, they're, they're great. And we love those responsibilities. But nonetheless, we can't fully invest to the degree that we would like to. If you are unmarried, that's a little bit different for you. You still have a job. You probably have friends and you have other responsibilities. But you are more free to focus on Jesus. You are more free to, to go deep and deeper in the Lord in your relationship. You can be more deliberate with Bible reading. You can, you can spend maybe more time reading the Bible. You can be more focused in prayer. You can be more deliberate and intentional about growing your relationship with God in your life. Are you doing that? Or are you taking advantage of this season of life when you can grow deeper in Christ? Now, now, if you're single and you want to be married, let me say this. This season is crucial for you because you are trying to get healed. You are trying to grow in Christ. You are trying to become the godly young man or the godly young woman that will be a good spouse to someone else. This is the season you need to become complete in Christ so that when the Lord brings that person into your life, you are ready and you're not looking to them to fulfill you or to complete you. That's already happened in the Lord Jesus Christ. 
And so not only are, are you right now uh, growing deeper in God so that you are the right spouse for that person, you ought to be praying right now for that person that could be your spouse, that they're doing the exact same thing, amen? Man, that they're going deep in God right now, that they're growing in their relationship with God right now, so that two really healthy and complete and Christ-dependent people can come together and have a really healthy marriage. So this is a, season, a practical season where you can focus more on God, increased focus on God. Not just increased focus on Jesus, but increased ministry for Jesus. This is a season of increased ministry for those of you that are unmarried. Uh, the opportunities are out there. Uh, again, listen to what Jesus said in, in John chapter four. Jesus said, my nourishment, other versions say food or meat, my nourishment, my food comes from doing the will of God who sent me and finishing his work. Jesus found incredible pleasure in serving God. He says, when he said this, the background of the story is he had talked to the woman at the well in Samaria and they were all hungry. It was, it was middle of the day. The disciples went into town to get food. Jesus had this conversation with the woman at the well and, and shared with her the gospel and shared with her the way of eternal life. And the, the disciples eventually come back and, and they have food to offer Jesus. And Jesus isn't that interested in the physical food. And he, sa he says, my food, what fulfills me, what satisfies me, what energizes me, what fuels me is to do the will of God, is to serve the one who sent me. That was his energy. And so for, for those of you that are, that are not married, this is a season of increased ministry for the Lord. You have greater availability to serve the church, greater, greater time, greater opportunity to do that. You have more freedom to maybe do short-term or long-term mission trips. A few weeks ago, we, we commissioned Kendra Michael, a, a young single woman in our congregation, to be a full-time missionary in Ethiopia. She, she has the freedom right now. She's, she's unencumbered by marriage responsibilities or family responsibilities. I know there are, there are missionaries that go as families. That's great. But, but here's a young woman that says, I'm, I'm free right now. I can go for an, for an extended period of time and not have to worry about these, these other loyalties and these other responsibilities. Let me ask you a question. If you, are, if you are unmarried and you are serving somewhere at Central, would you stand up? You're unmarried and you're serving somewhere at Central. Would you stand up? Come on. We so value you. We so appreciate you that you are, you are taking your time right now to invest in the kingdom of God. Thank you for that. You, you are a vital part of what we're doing here. We, we appreciate your service in the Lord. My wife shared with me that our, we have a young adult group here. We have college young adult and we have single ministries for pretty much all ages. She said, anytime there's a need, this young adult group, they all step up and serve, whether it's needs in Kids Central, daddy-daughter dance, um, call, or, or student ministries, whatever it is, this group of young adults is seizing the opportunity to get involved and serve because they know they have a little bit more time than maybe some other people do. Wonderful thing. So, so you're in the season of ministry for Jesus. You can be involved in service projects or social justice. Um, so let me ask a question. If, 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 if our singles are serving, they're going on missions trips, or do, do we value them? Do we regularly declare our appreciation for them? Do, do they feel like we, we, we appreciate what they're doing? 
I'm going to give you a challenge right now if you're married. You don't even have to have kids. Just if you're married, maybe you have kids, maybe you don't. I'm going to ask you to invest in one unmarried person in our church. I'm going to ask, and, and let's keep it gender exclusive. So ladies with ladies, guys with guys. But invite someone into your life that, that isn't married right now. Invite them to be a part of your family. Get to know them. Maybe it can be a mentoring relationship or maybe it can just be a mutual kind of friend relationship. We need to be the kind of church and congregation that values the singles among us, values what they're doing, values their investment in the church, values that they're, they're utilizing their time effectively for the purpose of serving God's kingdom. And we need to let them know they are greatly appreciated here at Central because we do. We love and we appreciate all of you for what you do. All right, the last thing I want to say is not only is this a season of increased focus on Jesus and, fo and increased ministry for Jesus, but increased identification with Jesus. What do I mean by that? I mean, Jesus was unmarried. And so there, there's a sense in which you that are unmarried can identify with Christ in a way that those of us who are married can't. Jesus gets you. Jesus understands your life. Jesus understands your heart. And so you can identify him in a very intimate way and, and follow what he did in his singleness, follow what he did in his life. And the first thing I want to say is Jesus depended on the father to meet his emotional need for love. Where are you going to have your need for love met? Jesus found that in the father. John chapter 15, verses nine and 10, Jesus said to his disciples, I have loved you even as the father has loved me. Remain in my love, continue in my love. When you obey my commandments, you remain in my love, just as I obey my father's commandments and remain where? In his love. So, so Jesus found the secret of drawing his, his need for love from the father. He was full and complete because of the father's love. And the second thing I wanna say in terms of identifying with Jesus is Jesus rarely did things alone. Jesus knew the importance of community. Now, there were times Jesus got away by himself to pray. He went to solitary places to get recharged with the Father. But most of his time he spent with people, particularly his disciples. Matthew chapter 17 says, After six days, Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John, the brother of James, and, and led them up a high mountain by themselves. There he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun and his clothes became as white as the light. Just then there appeared before them Moses and Elijah talking with Jesus. This was some kind of prearranged divine meeting between Jesus and, and Moses and Elijah. Jesus didn't need the disciples. Jesus could have gone there by himself. In fact, the disciples don't even interact with Moses and Elijah. Jesus does. The disciples are just kind of standing there awkwardly. And yet Jesus invited them. Jesus wanted them to experience what he was experiencing, but Jesus recognized the importance of community and just being with his disciples. Luke chapter 22, the night of the Passover. When, when the time came, this was the night before the cross, Jesus and the apostles sat down together at the table. Jesus said, I have been very eager. I have longed to eat this Passover meal with you before my suffering begins. For I tell you now that I won't eat this meal again until its meaning is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. In Jesus, in, in thinking about the cross and thinking about the next day, looked forward to being with his disciples. He recognized the value of being with his people. And then Matthew 26, after the supper, uh, they went out to the, the garden of Gethsemane. Jesus went with his disciples 
to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to them, sit here while I go over there and pray. And then he took with him Peter and James and John with him to pray. And he began to be sorrowful and troubled. And in his moment of greatest need, in his moment of greatest anxiety, Jesus recognized the need for community. I just want to say to you that are unmarried, find a group of Christians to do life with. Find a group of Christians that can be a support to you and encouragement to you. The last thing I want to say about identifying or, or kind of finding identification with Christ in your singleness is Jesus experienced unsatisfied human appetites. Jesus experienced appetites that didn't get satisfied. Matthew chapter 4, the, the temptation in the wilderness. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted there by the devil. For 40 days and 40 nights he fasted. He went without food and he became very hungry. During that time, the devil came and said to him, if you are the son of God, tell these stones to become loaves of bread. But Jesus told him, no, the scriptures say people don't live by bread alone, by satisfying their physical appetites, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Jesus had received a word from the father. He was to fast for a certain amount of time. To cut that fast short would have been to violate the word that God had given to him. Jesus says, man doesn't live by satisfying his own desires. Man lives by the word of God, the, the, the command of God. Jesus didn't violate God's word in order to satisfy his human appetite. And we can't violate God's word in order to satisfy our human appetites. See, scripture says that we follow Jesus, married or single, by dying to our fleshly desires in life. Since, since people, single people have to die to their sexual desires in order to live by God's word. In other words, like Jesus, you can't turn the stones to bread. You've got an appetite, you've got a desire. Jesus had a desire. And yet Jesus said, I, I'm here to fulfill the father's word. So I, I can't cross over that line. I, I can't do what God says not to do. And so in this season of singleness, if this is a, is a desire for you or a temptation for you, you, you can't turn the stones to bread. You have to live with the hunger. But remember what I said, no matter what, how long your season of singleness is, there's grace. And God gives you the strength and the ability to, to, walk, to walk through that. So let me say this, if you've, if you've fallen in that area, if you've crossed the line sexually, uh, there is forgiveness and grace today because of the cross, amen? There, there's cleansing and healing for our brokenness in Jesus. The Jewish leaders brought a, a woman to Jesus that had been caught in the very act of, of sexual sin, adultery. And after dealing with the leaders and everyone that was standing around, you remember the story, let, let he who is out without sin cast the first stone and they all walk away. Then Jesus says something to the woman that had transgressed sexually. He said, go and sin no more. I believe the Lord would say that to you today. There's forgiveness and cleansing in Christ if you've fallen in that area. And the Lord can make everything new. And the Lord can heal your brokenness. And he says today, go and sin no more. Don't just go and, you know, whatever. Just go and sin no more. Man, don't turn the stones to bread in your life. Live with that hunger until the Lord either gets you married or uh, teaches you how to live with that hunger. Let me close this morning by just giving you a few summary thoughts of what I shared. And this isn't going to apply to every unmarried person because you're in different life situations. But let me say this. Uh, don't compromise your true values. 
Compromise never leads to joy in any area of life. Create a portrait of a person that you would like to marry and then give that portrait to God and trust him with it. Don't compromise your true identity. Don't change who you are in order to attract somebody. You want them to love who you really are, not who you're pretending to be. Seek contentment in Christ first, then you'll be ready to marry. No person will ever make you whole. Seek community. Jesus uses the body of Christ, the church, to encourage and strengthen us. Find a group of Christians that you can do life with. Maximize this season as God's servant. Fill your calendar with meaningful opportunities to serve the Lord. Learn to be alone without being lonely. Discover the wonder of friendship with Jesus. And remember, you are a vital part of the church of Jesus Christ. And we value you. We appreciate you. We love you. You teach us things, those of us who are married. Your, your life is a reflection of Jesus to us in many ways. As you walk in grace, as you walk in self-control, as you walk with an undivided heart for the Lord, you teach us. It's interesting, there's always things that single people are jealous of about married people and married people are jealous of single people about some things. But one of the things we're somewhat jealous of is your ability to seek the Lord with all your heart and time and effort. And our prayer for you is that you would do that, that you would maximize this season of your life, no matter how long it is for the glory of God and to be a vital part of this church. Would you stand with me this morning? Lord, you were the, the ultimate example of a meaningful and significant life. And you did it without being married. So I pray this morning for all the unmarried among us that they would find great strength and great encouragement in Christ this morning. They, they would aspire to that, that level of humanity that Jesus lived at. That Lord, you would find a way to satisfy the appetites of their, their own heart. That they would find contentment in you first. Lord, if they're, if they're young enough and still want to get married, that you would, you would prepare them and prepare a person for them that's going to be the right match. Lord, I pray this morning for those of us that are married in the church, that, that we would value, appreciate, and encourage those among us that are walking this journey of life. Help us to do that well, in Christ's name. And everybody said... Amen. Hey, if you need prayer this morning for anything, we're going to have some folks up here to pray. Have a great day. God bless you.